I'll tell you how I know society is on the downward spiral because mainstream networks like NBC and ABC and CBS, they have they have their own podcasts now. So that's a, that's a sign. That's a sign of the downfall of the American Republic. When NBC, ABC, CBS, these once vastly respected institutions of of um, you know current events, news, geopolitical events, foreign conflicts, domestic conflicts, uh, you know fringe lifestyles, these once bastions of of knowledge, not always truth, but uh, these bastions of curiosity and investigative reporting. Um, now diminished to a mere podcast. On the way down, folks. On the way down. We're on the way down. But that's okay because it's a beautiful fucking fall afternoon here in New Jersey. Beautiful. Sunny. 75. Not a cloud in the sky. Not a wind gust to be felt. Not a wind gust to shake a blade of grass. Here in New Jersey, on this beautiful fucking September afternoon. It's October. It's the October afternoon. It's an October afternoon. It's a good name for the title. We're not even fucking, what are we, three minutes in? We've got the title already? A beautiful October afternoon? We'll see. My genius knows no bounds. I may have another phrase that rears its 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 influential and prophetic head throughout the uh, the duration of this episode that may be a better fit for the title. Who knows? But let's table it. Let's put it in the bank, right? Let's put that one in the safety deposit box. A beautiful October afternoon. Because there's nothing more beautiful than a fall afternoon. I took a walk today. I prefer it a little little bit cooler right sunny 65 no clouds a little bit of wind that's what I prefer let me wear some sweats let me wear those sweatpants that don't have any elastic toward the ankles so it frays out and it looks like apple bottom jeans and let me put on a sweatshirt and I'll walk around I'll walk around I like to walk I like to walk in the fall there's nothing better than fall walking there's another fucking title fall walking for Christ Do you not appreciate the poetry that I bring to you weekly? I went for a walk, and it was beautiful. A lot of spotted lanternflies. Um, and that was a, it's a moth-like fucking, here, let me pull it up. It's a thing that everybody in New Jersey kept bitching about, and I guess I never really paid attention to it until literally today when I saw them just fucking everywhere when I was walking. Uh, spotted lanternfly, Lycorma delicatula, delicatula, is an invasive plant hopper native to China, India, and Vietnam. Speaking of, I mean, that is, what a beautiful racial slur to people native to China, India, and Vietnam. Plant hoppers. A plant hopper. Oh, you're from Vietnam, you fucking plant hopper. 
It is also established in South Korea, Japan, and the U.S. It was first discovered in the U.S. in Pennsylvania in Berks County in 2014 and has spread to other counties in PA as well as the states of New Jersey, Delaware, Maryland, Virginia, West Virginia, New York, Connecticut, and Ohio. This insect has the potential to greatly impact agricultural crops and hardwood trees. SLF, SLF, they're abbreviating it, I don't know why, is a serious invasive pest with a healthy appetite for our plants, and it can be a significant nuisance affecting the quality of life and enjoyment of the outdoors. The spotted lanternfly uses its piercing, sucking mouth part to feed, that's not, that's weird, it's piercing, sucking mouth part. Is there no scientific term to what this bug is using to consume food? Mouth part? To feed on sap from over 70 different plant species. It is a strong preference for economically important plants, and the feeding damage significantly stresses the plants, which can lead to decreased health and potentially death. It's a stretch. It's weird because they make it seem like this plant, this bug is choosing to eat plants based on their economic value. It has a strong preference for economically important plants. Uh, okay, I feel it's not making its decision based on the economic value of the plant, I don't think. I don't think spotted lanternflies are flying around and looking for the most economically viable plants and go, that's got to, you know, I'm going to eat that. I don't think they're doing that. I'm sure there's a scientific reason as to why they uh, are eating the economically viable plants. Could it possibly, uh, hey, who wrote this? Who wrote this? Who wrote this fucking article? New J- the government of New Jersey. Uh, yeah, it's the government of New Jersey. Of course it is. Hey, government of New Jersey. Do you think that maybe the reason why the spotted lantern fly were rhyming is feeding on the most economically viable plants to humans is because maybe it just has, uh, um, you know, a, 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 a digestive system that works well with edible plants, much like humans do? See or no? Maybe that's the case. But I saw a lot of them. And it's an invasive species. We have to get rid of it. We have to get rid of the invasive species. Right? This is not the first time I've come across an invasive species in a state that I've lived in. When I lived in South Dakota, there was a... uh, Fucking, what was it? It was eating the Black Hills. Eating the Black Hills for pine beetles. Pine beetles were a problem in the western half of South Dakota, particularly in the Black Hills. I don't know what they did. I'm assuming they just ate through fucking trees and made them fall. So they were killing the vegetation, the 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 year-round vegetation of the Black Hills. The Black Hills are full of, of uh, pine needle trees. What do you call them? Evergreen? Conifer or something? They they have pine they, their seeds are pine cones. They eat the pine cones. It's the pine trees. They live in the winter. They live in the summer. They're green all year round. Hence the name evergreen. 
And these pine beetles, much like illegal immigrants, would come in and they would fuck up the resources of the Black Hills Forest. The National Forest. Did you know that? Black Hills National Forest. And, uh, yeah, it's just invasive. This is a very, you know, regions get invasive species now and again. A while back, the Florida swamps were getting, like, Nile crocodiles, which is insane. It's an invasive species. Those things are fucking wild. They'll eat a goddamn... They'll eat a... They'll eat a whole fucking minority. A Nile crocodile will eat a whole entire fucking minority LGBTQ woman. And they don't care if you accuse them of being bigoted. They're just going to eat the bitch. Right? That's what invasive species do. They just eat the bitch. They don't care. Right? But it's it's it comes in waves, right? Every region now and again gets an invasive species. And it's a metaphor for life. It's a metaphor for government. It's a metaphor for societies. It's a, meta- a metaphor for uh, uh, time periods throughout human existence. Things that are invasive infiltrate behavior. They infiltrate government. They infiltrate... Uh, uh, you know, speech, they infiltrate politics, they infiltrate economies, they infiltrate entertainment, they infiltrate, um, they infiltrate the, 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 the individual mind, emotion. So, here's a thinking exercise that everybody ought to be doing at any given point, by the way. And whatever it may be that they're thinking about. One. Is this thing that I'm focused on right now. Is there an invasive species in its ecological system? Right? At your job. Is there an invasive species at your job? Is there an invasive species in your marriage? Is there an invasive species in the government? in the country, in society, in Western civilization, in Eastern civilization, in Russia? Is there an invasive species? The prospect of the invasive species is a very interesting thought experiment. Right? Let's take our government, for example. Is there an invasive species in the American government hierarchy? Yes or no? I would assume that 98% of you at least, if not 100, said yes. There is most certainly an invasive species operating in our government currently. Great. Let us identify those invasive species. Well, I would suppose that cronyists and people who do backdoor deals with foreign uh, entities that are harming the average American citizen would be invasive species, right? You break it down to its final form. So you say, hey, who is milking the government system, whether it's through backdoor deals with foreign 
adversaries, or not even adversaries, just foreign entities who don't bode any type of uh, uh, beneficial influence to the American populace and milking them for money, or just, you know, passing bad legislation, influencing negative behavior in the, uh, in the political conversariat, in the political uh, uh, domain of behavior. You say, are they there? Yes, they're there. What is it that's, in, you know, what's the idea of the invasive species? Why is it invasive? You go, oh, people are doing, you know, backdoor deals with the Ukraine and China. And then you say, who? okay, so who's doing that, right? Then you find out what individual is doing that. Well, Pelosi is making a lot of money with insider trading and doing deals with China. Joe Biden has done a lot of backdoor deals with the Bank of China via his son's uh, joint venture with the Bank of China called Bohai Harvest RST, the RST standing for Rosemont Seneca Thornton, which was an equity firm uh, founded by himself, uh, uh, Devin Archer, and Chris Hines, John Kerry's stepson, and the heir to the Hines ketchup fortune, if you can believe that. It's important to identify invasive species, is my point. Okay? And when I was on my walk today, what did I do to the invasive species that I came across? I stepped on them. I stomped on them. You are encouraged to attempt to eliminate an invasive species that you come across. There's a reason why hunting wild hogs in parts of the U.S. you don't even need a permit for. You can just shoot them. It's because they fuck all the time, much like the spotted uh, lanternfly. They fuck all the time and they make more and they become a nuisance. They They become a nuisance. When... America has decided that you are a nuisance. We decide we can shoot you freely. Okay? So Muslims beware. I don't know if I articulated my point as well as I would have liked to, but the point is, find your invasive species. What's, what's, what's invading you today? Find your job's invasive species. Be a seeker out, a seeker outer, and eliminator of invasive species in all aspects of your life, in your local community, in your personal life, in your marriage, in your relationship with your children, in your relationship with your colleagues, in your, your, your work environment, right? In your local uh, political environment, Be a seeker-outer and eliminator of invasive species. Stomp on the spotted lanternflies. Right? You see them everywhere. Don't be afraid to get the bottom of your shoes dirty. Stomp on them. That's the lesson. Is it not? Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a good lesson uh, teacher. I don't teach lessons. All I do is express 
my own thoughts and opinions and experiences and pray to the Lord Jesus, God, motherfucking Christ that eventually enough people will believe that I make sense or find me entertaining enough to listen to me where uh, I can continue to do this podcast with pride. Speaking of pride and children and relationship with your children, uh, I came across this recently and I knew nothing about it. I'm a big fan of people really expressing what they think via voicemail messages. You know, you guys who have been with me for a while now know goddamn well how I feel about the Mel Gibson voicemails. They're a work of art. They're beautiful. Sorry, I'm drinking seltzer. It's fucking carbonated. I can't help it. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Um, it's a beautiful work of art, and it's important to see people at their... At, at their peak set of emotions, whether they're peak happy, peak angry, peak sad, peak jealous, peak frustrated, peak annoyed, peak uh, scared, frightened, whatever. It's good to experience people when they are peaking in a particular emotion because one, it tells you something about them and two, it tells you something about yourself as well. And what I would like to do is listen to a voicemail uh, left by Alec Baldwin to his daughter. And it's a fun one. And let's just, uh, you know, I'll encourage you to just, hey, take a load off, tilt your head back, close your eyes, take a deep breath, much like meditation. Imagine you're about to meditate or do yoga. And let's take a listen to what Alec Baldwin has to say to his fucking 12-year-old daughter? Something like that? 14-year-old daughter? Something. Hey, I want to tell you something, okay? And I want to leave a message for you right now. Because again, it's 10.30 here in New York on a Wednesday. And once again, I've made an ass of myself trying to get to a phone to call you at a specific time. When the time comes for me to make the phone call, I stop whatever I'm doing, and I go and I make that phone call at 11 o'clock in the morning in New York, and if you don't pick up the phone, at 10 o'clock at night, and you don't even have that goddamn phone turned on. I want you to know something, okay? I'm tired of playing this game with you. I'm leaving this message with you to tell you, you have insulted me for the last time. You have insulted me. You don't have the brains or the decency as a human being. I don't give a damn that you're 12 years old or 11 years old or that you're a child or that your mother is a thoughtless pain in the ass who doesn't care about what you do as far as I'm concerned. You have humiliated me for the last time with this phone. And when I come out there next week, I'm going to fly out there for the day just to straighten you out on this issue. I'm going to let you know just how disappointed in you I am and how angry I am with 
you that you've done this to me again. You've made me feel like shit, and you've made me feel like a fool over and over and over again. And this crap you pull on me with this goddamn phone situation that you would never dream of doing to your mother, and you do it to me constantly and over and over again. I am going to get on a plane, and I'm going to come out there for the day, and I'm going to straighten your ass out when I see you. Do you understand me? I'm going to really make sure you get it. Then I'm going to get on a plane, and I'm going to turn around, and I'm going to come home. So you better be ready Friday, the 20th, to meet with me. So I'm going to let you know just how I feel about what a rude little pig you really are. <laughs> you are a rude, thoughtless little pig, okay? Well, you know, I mean, uh, I don't know what the daughter did. It is important. I guess it is important to know what the daughter did. You know, quote, the uh, this daughter is a rude, thoughtless little pig. A rude, thoughtless little pig. And possibly a a, a a a whore. Is this Haley Baldwin? Is this the is this the daughter that married Bieber? Is Haley Baldwin a rude, thoughtless little pig? I'd enjoy knowing if he had multiple daughters or not. I'm not willing to do the research to find out. But the question becomes, folks. Who in that situation is the invasive species? Is Alec Baldwin the invasive species as the father to the daughter? Because he would leave such a message? Calling his 12-year-old daughter a thoughtless, a rude, thoughtless little pig. Pig is probably the term to focus on the ad- the adjectives before the noun are probably they could be swept under the rug for now we should probably focus on the noun of pig is the invasive species alec baldwin for calling his daughter a pig at 12 or 11 he didn't seem to know or did the daughter do such a piggish thing or does she have such a piggish beha- uh, pattern of behavior that it merited being labeled a pig and she is the invasive species in Alec Baldwin's life? Who knows? I don't know. I wasn't there. Right? I wasn't there to give an accurate analysis. But it would be nice to know, wouldn't it? See, that's why it's important to focus on the invasive species now. Real time, right? It's easy to look back and, and, and spew conjecture. I could say, oh, Alec Baldwin's a horrible father for calling his little 12-year-old daughter a little beautiful life form that he made with a woman he once loved, a pig. I could sit here and say that he was wrong for doing so, but we really don't know. What was the daughter doing? He seemed to be very upset that he would call his daughter at 
very specific times and she wouldn't pick up. He seemed to be very upset that his daughter was not punctual and that she did not adhere to a very disciplined schedule, much like her celebrity father. And then that begs the question. Who's the invasive species in that situation? The person who has adhered to the schedule and is only trying to love his child? Or, and also calls her a pig. That's the main thing. Or, the little daughter who doesn't adhere to a strict disciplined schedule. But is only 12 and just was on the receiving end of a tirade from her father, which ended in her being labeled as a species of swine. Little barn pig. That's what. And by the way, what I don't appreciate about people calling other people pigs, I think it's important, and I, I, I will start doing this myself because I'm a leader and I lead by example. When I label somebody as some type of pork, swine. I I think it's important to separate the species of pig. There's a thing called a teacup pig or a tea kettle pig, or I think it's a teacup pig. They're little tiny things. They run around. They're little pigs. They run around. They're like, uh, they look like a little dog, a little toy dog, like a little chihuahua. And they waddle all over because they're short. They got short legs and they're stubby and they're Truly just little fucking little baked beans, little pink, little pink baked beans just kind of running around. They call them a teacup pig. But there's also the there's the barnyard pig. There's the farm pig. The mud pig. There's a cum pig. Uh, There's the wild boar. There's the uh, the hog. There's a lot of different types of pork. A lot of different types of, there's different species, subspecies of of pig is my point. And it's important to make sure that you differentiate between the two. Because if he was calling his daughter, hey, you're my little teacup pig. That's cute. Teacup pigs are cute. Right? Little piglet. You're my little piglet. However, if he meant barnyard pig, a little mud wrestling pig, yeah, or some type of attention pig or some type of cum pig that's that's bad so there's just a lot of nuance to this conversation that I played you is the point that I'm trying to make and so there's two takeaways right one you need to identify the invasive species in real time because you and I are trying to analyze in retrospect right we don't know who the pig was we don't know who the who the invasive species was in that conversation that daughter might have been taking nudes and sending them to his fucking coworkers who fucking knows maybe she's a little whore at 12 probably not my best guess is not but who knows so it's it's important to identify the invasive species in real time and also if you're going to label somebody some species of swine please be specific. That's all. Okay? Those are the two lessons coming out of that voicemail. Right? 
People say that Alec Baldwin is a complex man because he's an actor and he shot a woman in the face. I don't think that he's complex because of that. I think he's complex because he truly doesn't know how he perceives his daughter through the lens of swine. What kind of pig is she? And that's how he judges all women. He says, yes, they're all pigs, but what kind of pig are they? Are they a little teacup pig? Are they a wild boar that I want to wrestle down? I want to lasso? I don't know. Some pigs have dirtier tendencies than others. It's an interesting voicemail, and I thought you'd. I thought you all would get a kick out of it. And if you didn't, fuck you, because we're moving on to vaccines anyway. And you're a pig. And you're a mud pig. You're one of those fat fucking farm pigs. Those corn fed fucks. Where the fat. They get so fat that their forehead starts to grow fat and they can't see anymore because it covers their fucking eyes. It's with forehead fat. You forehead fat pig. See? Specific. And there's another option for a title. Forehead Fat Pig. But let's get to the vaccine ups, uh, update. Uh, the new flu vaccine will contain mRNA, which seems to me like a bad idea. Because one, we've had a flu vaccine that's not, I, I don't know if it's worked, I guess I've never looked at the statistics, but it certainly has not caused cardiac arrhythmia, so I don't think it needs to be fucked with. But the new flu vaccine uh, is mRNA. It contains mRNA. And I the reason, I'll give you a reason, why I think that that is not a good idea. God, this fucking polar seltzer. It's just... Christ. Um, I'm going to read you an article from a medical journal called JAMA... JAMA Network? Is JAMA... I don't know. JAMA. Oh, JAMA. Journal of American Medicine Association, I think it is. Network. Um, September 26th, 2022. Detection of messenger RNA... COVID-19 vaccines in human breast milk. That's no bueno, folks. That's not good because there is no safe dose that has been established for newborns of mRNA. So they're sucking mRNA out of the out of the out of the mother's titties when we don't even know if their body can handle that. It's not good. And by the way, the mRNA was not supposed to go to the breast milk. The mRNA was not supposed to go to these different places in the body. Right? It was not supposed to break the blood barrier or whatever the fuck it was called. It was supposed to be very safe, very effective, and uh, stay, uh, uh, you know, it wouldn't break the blood barrier. But it did. And now it's showing up in breast milk. That's not good. So why the fuck 
would we attempt to reimagine a flu vaccine that's at I don't again like I said I don't know if it's necessarily worked all that well but at least has not been causing unknown side effects why would we implement that into the flu vaccine what the fuck are we doing and by the way what's what's going to happen if and I'm I'm not trying to fearmonger here I'm trying to just say, what happens if those babies that are sucking down mRNA milk out of her, out of the mother's tit, what happens if they grow up and have some weird shit? What happens? You can't sue the vaccine companies. They have complete immunity. What's going to happen? Those kids grow up on mRNA milk, and they're all fucked up, shooting up schools, biting people in the face, probably. Who knows what's going to fucking happen? Maybe they'll be fine. Who fucking knows? I don't know. The point is, we don't know. And the fact that we had a, 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 a health administration cabinet You know, our public health officials were just willing to fucking gamble and say, yep, it's safe. We understand that it wasn't safe at first for pregnant women, but now it's safe. And they're still encouraging people to get the fucking COVID booster. And they're also putting it in the flu vaccine. So here's what here's the actual thing here. Just this is a pivotal point in history of this vaccine of mRNA technology to remember. If mRNA has a negative effect or the way that mRNA interacts with your cells, with your DNA, with whatever in your body and has a negative effect, just know that they pushed it on everybody, told pregnant women it was safe, told mothers and fathers that it was safe to give to their children, told everybody in certain or told people in certain job sectors that they couldn't work anymore if they didn't get it. Right? Assured people it was safe. And now are not only pushing it via the COVID booster or vaccine, now they're pushing it in the flu vaccine. So just remember all of those things that happened if it happens to turn out that mRNA has a bad effect on the immune system, on DNA, if it causes birth defects, whatever, whatever it may be, if it has any negative effect, just remember how fucking hard they pushed it and how they demonized people who didn't want to get it. And like I said, this may turn out, nobody's going to, you know, maybe the shit that is happening with all the people dropping dead of myocarditis, maybe, you know, I very highly doubt it, but maybe it doesn't have to do with shit, with the fucking vaccine. I, again, 99% sure it does, but I'm no fucking, you know, I'm not omniscient. I'm not all-knowing. Is that omniscient or omnipotent? Omnipotent. Well, I'm neither, is the point. 
I don't know for a fact. But just remember that if it does come out that this is a negative thing, understand that they knew that they didn't know if it would be negative or positive, right? At the very best, all we could well, all we could consider is that they were negligent. And they knew they were negligent and still forced it on people. Just remember it. Don't let it slide, right? Certainly don't let it slide. In Sweden, they fucking, uh, 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 they, they removed the recommendation for uh, vaccines against COVID for people under the, 18, uh, under the age of 18 who were healthy, right? That's a sign. That's a sign. There are signs, right? Remember, we need to start identifying the invasive species in real time. And here is one particular invasive species that I, am, I, I have identified in real time. Gavin Newsom signs medical gag and noose assembly bill 2098 into California law. Physicians and surgeons who challenge the lockstep current political scientific consensus on COVID-19 will be charged with unprofessional conduct. They're attempting to criminalize dissent, which is a problem because dissent from mainstream belief, challenging mainstream belief, is how you get innovation. It's how you find out you were wrong in the first place, if you were wrong. It's how you push progress. It's how you perfect things. If you can't fucking criticize anything, how are you going to make it better? If you're criminalizing the critique of anything... How in the fuck do you expect to progress? How in the absolute motherfuck do you think things are going to get better if nobody can critique anything ever? If nobody can think outside of the box, think on a, on a fringe mindset or dissent, how in the fuck are no, a new ideas supposed to come into the mainstream? Breaking scientific discoveries do not come from the mainstream, folks. They come from the fringe. Because if they came from the mainstream, they wouldn't be breaking scientific discoveries. Life-changing new ideas come from the fringe. If they were in the mainstream, then they already would have been accepted by the mainstream. Therefore, it wouldn't be a new discovery. Understand? You cannot criminalize dissent unless you want to hold the human race back. And again, I wouldn't be shocked if that's that fucking car-oiled fucking hair... I don't even know what fucking Italian he is or uh, uh, race he is. Italian? Is he a wop? I don't know. Whatever he is, he's a fucking psycho. Gavin Newsom is a true psychopath. And he looks like it, too. He looks like a Bond villain. And the interesting thing, just to corroborate my point, this was 
commented on by a medical doctor. For 20 years, we were taught the wrong fraudulent model for Alzheimer's. For 20 years, we were taught a mistaken model for depression. It was the people who challenged and questioned the dominant narratives that advanced science. True science encourages questions, not this. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's fair. And now, just so after all of this, now that we're in this mindset, let me read you this. Breaking. Fauci... In his waning months as head of the NIAID, just greenlit a $600,000 grant to Peter Daszak and the EcoHealth Alliance for bat coronavirus research. This is the same organization that funded the Wuhan lab and research that plausibly led to the entire COVID-19 pandemic. I haven't really touched on the vaccine for a while, but or COVID in general, but, you know, there was a few things that happened in the past week or two that merited commenting on. It seems like at, at this point, and here's here's what I'll say. This is, at this point, I, I'm no longer questioning whether or not they um, want some type of shit, whether it's a pandemic or a, a pandemic of climate or an economic crisis. They want some type of crisis. And if you're questioning that at this point, I'm sorry. Just, you know, hey, maybe I'm not for you then. Maybe go listen to Maddow. Right? Maybe go listen to Maddow and fucking shove some, the, you know, the spout of a tea kettle in your dick hole. Maybe go listen to Sean Hannity and smoke cigarettes, and drink hard alcohol until you pass out, smack your head on your fucking coffee table, and die a lonely death. I don't care. But if you truly believe at this point that they give a shit about the well-being of the American populace, I have to tell you something. You are diagnosably mentally retarded, and you're probably not even aware enough to understand that you are, and... Maybe that's a happier existence than what everybody else is living, but I still encourage you to kill yourself because you're doing nobody any good, including yourself, by walking around on this fucking earth. If you believe that the government and this global apparatus that we're extending toward actually has your best interest at heart, actually has the environment's best interest at heart, actually has the global economy's best interest at heart, actually has a true interest in ending world poverty, actually has an interest in en ending global hun hunger, actually has ending world oppression, and you're supporting these people through your vote, you're no good to anybody. You're no good to anybody. Rent a U-Haul. Drive it into a garage, a storage unit. Keep it running and close the fucking door of the storage unit. I mean, if you ha at this point, if you are still severely ostracizing or scolding people who are questioning the vaccine, which, believe me, it's still out there. They're still, I'm still talking to some of them. 
you are, I, you know, I don't know. Don't kill yourself, but, you know, maybe get your tongue removed so you can't fucking speak. Because you truly, you lack any type of fucking critical thinking skills. And because everybody is forced to be in this democracy where uh, it's mob rule, your vote matters and your vote influences other people. And I'm sure there are some people out there who feel that I am the one who is problematic for society. I'm sure. And maybe I am. Maybe I maybe I harbor opinions that are in the long term problematic for society. I don't know. I'm retarded. I'm mentally retarded. I know nothing. But here's what I can say. One, I think I'm fairly ideologically consistent. Two, I support free speech, and that is with everybody, even those that I said that you're worth nothing, you still have the right to speak. And three, I have a podcast. And so, that's three things. I am now, I don't have to, you know, I escaped the gulag. I escaped the gulag. I have to buy a new car this weekend. My car decided to just not be a car anymore. And so I have to find a new unit of transportation. And I'm not going to do the bus. I did the bus a few times in my life, just here and there. NJ Transit when I, uh, you know, when the car needed maintenance or whatever, I was out. I was without car for a couple of days. I will not be doing New Jersey Transit. That thing is a fucking cesspool of violence and disease. Also, the drivers are bad. New Jersey Transit has a pattern of drivers not following the rules of the road. In fact, there was a beautiful, beautiful story about two New Jersey Transit bus drivers colliding with each other head-on. So, you know, that's New Jersey Transit. But I have to get a new vehicle. So, um, you know, I guess I just got to go this weekend and find a new fucking car. Got to go get a new fucking car. And that's not fun, right? A, a, a unusable vehicle is an invasive species. It's an invasive species. Much like overreaching government, the unusable vehicle is an invasive species. It's an invasive species. I was speaking to somebody. I don't know. I was speaking to somebody about this car, actually, about the car situation. And they veered off into politics because people very often do. They try to tie every single thing into politics. I think we got talking about electric vehicles. And he said something, something. And then he goes, and this is how fucking, you know, in touch this guy is. He goes, 
Carlton Tucker is talking about here siding with Russia. And it's like, oof, you are not, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Carlton Tucker? And uh, he was just talking about how he's basically pro-Ukraine, pro-electric vehicle, pro-Biden, pro uh, the ability for the federal government to tell everybody that they have to legalize abortion. And in this conversation, I did notice that I have a fundamental disagreement with these people. And it's not even necessarily political. We have a fundamental, these establishment, both establishment Republicans and establishment Democrats, I have a fundamental disagreement when it comes to problem solving. Libertarians and just people who don't subscribe to establishment ideology, we have a fundamental disagreement with establishment American politics when it comes to problem solving. And you can see this go back all the way to the beginning of the progressive era with Herbert Crowley and Woodrow Wilson. And it began with um, William Howard Taft with the intelligible principle. Basically, what progressive governance is, which is kind of what particularly democratic establishment politicians believe. That the issues plaguing America and the world, but but just particularly we'll talk about America, are so big. It's such a big country and the problems are so complex. We cannot leave it up to Congress and elected representatives to be able to solve those issues. One, because there's not a, there's not enough elected representatives. And two, the representatives aren't necessarily experts on the issues that they're attempting to solve. And so the, the, the solution to the progressive governor people, pro- progressive governance people, is to allow Congress the ability to delegate legislative power to you know these administrative agencies the EPA the CDC the FDA um, which technically violates a clause in the Constitution called the non-delegation clause and th- then this battle comes about about whether or not is it a good idea to pawn uh, legislative power off to experts who are not beholden to the American voter or try to rely on non-experts who are beholden to the American voter. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it, it started with William Howard Taft as Attorney General uh, introducing the intelligible principle which allowed con- members of Congress to, you know, listen to their, their constituents and what they want write down in an intelligible way what they want to be done, and then have it passed off to experts to figure it out how to do that. Now, obviously, if you go that route, the progressive governance route, you're going to have to expand. Right? You're going to have to expand the federal government. You're going to have to enlarge the apparatus that is attempting to solve the issue. 
right? And that's what establishment, particularly establishment Democrats, but also uh, establishment Republicans in many, many ways, believe that if an entity cannot or, or doesn't understand or cannot or is not doing a good job of resolving an issue or doesn't have the time to resolve the issue or the resources or the, or, you know, the intimate knowledge to solve the issue, the best thing to do is to expand that apparatus and onboard people who do or who can fill those spots, uh, those holes that I mentioned. I have a fundamental disagreement with this process. I believe the exact opposite. I believe that the more complex issues get, the more localized you have to become. The more complex an issue, in my opinion, the less the federal government should have control over it. Because they're, they're so distanced from it. One of the downsides, one of the issues of expanding the federal government and enlarging the apparatus of the federal government is because it, it, these people that are attempting to solve these issues have become so distanced from the issue itself that they no longer have any type of intimate knowledge or relationship with the problem itself. So instead of going that way, I say localize it. If you are having a problem at the federal level solving an issue for this state or another state or a group of states. I don't want the government to get bigger or assign a task force for it and hire people to do it. I just want them to delegate the power back to the states. The political apparatus that is closer to the issue. The people that are closer to the issue. Right? Right, Mimi? You can't expand to solve the problem, is what Mimi said. You don't grow the federal government. You delegate the, the, the power back to the states, back to the local communities. Because they have a, a more intimate understanding of the issue. And they're the ones who are going to be affected by the solution they put in place anyway, so they have their best interest at heart, more so than uh, a bureaucracy of people uh, who have never met the people who have the problem or have ever even experienced the problem that they're attempting to solve. We have a, fundal dis a fundamental disagreement of, of when it comes to problem solving. See, you understand now? They want to devote more resources to the top. I want to devote more resources toward the bottom. And when I say bottom, I don't mean that in an insulting way. I'm just saying the localized. They want to devote more resources to the federal. I want to devote more resources and more time and more responsibility to the localization of, of solutions. I don't think it's a good idea to further distance yourself from the solution. I think the more complex problems become, the more localized you have to get. And they they have a fundamental disagreement with me. They don't think that at all. They think that that's the worst possible case, uh, uh, way of handling the problem and that uh, they have to grow the uh, task force, the federal task force that's al that already exists. So we just have a fundamental disagreement on how to solve problems. Right? 
And that's how you get the person who thinks that the government should be able to control everything and we should be taxing carbon and have a have a have a have a vaccine pass and have a and that's how you get that thought process and the way that i think that's how you get the libertarian process where there almost should be no federal government or no federal government at all it's two ways of handling a problem don't you see Well, let's get to the list. What are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? Let's get to the list. Vladimir Zelensky, over the past week, said or requested that America or NATO engage in preemptive strikes of Russia to prevent a nuclear attack. Now, that could just not be a more incendiary statement. That literally, that statement itself, if heeded, could be the end of the world. If, can you imagine if America bombed Russia right now? Do you think that if America bombed Russia right now, that we would be safer or more in danger of nuclear holocaust? So this little dwarf is just spouting off incendiary statements doing incendiary things like applying for NATO membership. He's just an, he's an instigator. This Zelensky, he's an instigator and he is in, he's very incendiary. He is fanning the flames of war. But he did inspire me this week. He did inspire me and he inspired the list. And this list is a list of behaviors that are more incendiary than calling on NATO to bomb Russia that could lead to a nuclear holocaust. Behaviors that are more incendiary than that. Number one, telling your angry wife to, quote, calm down. That, uh, that'll fuel her engine. That will keep the argument going. It's like putting gas in the tank. Don't do it. Next thing that is more incendiary than calling for nuclear holocaust, basically, is feeding me sausage and peppers. You want to see diarrhea? Do you want to see diarrhea? Then you better feed me sausage and peppers. Okay? One red bell pepper, one jalapeno pepper, seeds in, uh, uh, smashed garlic, one clove of smashed garlic, diced onion, Salt, pepper, garlic powder, sour cream, butter, cream cheese, stirred. Don't even put it in a sandwich. Put it right in a bowl. I'll eat it. And that is incendiary. That'll be, that'll be fiery diarrhea. You want to feel diarrhea? You want to feel diarrhea? You want to feel diarrhea? You want to smell diarrhea? You want to hear diarrhea? You want to taste diarrhea because the smell is so pungent that you can almost taste it? Do you want every one of your five senses to be enveloped in my diarrhea? Then feed me sausage and peppers. Next one, tell a new parent that you kind of know what it's like because you have a dog. I mean, they will go off. Oh, you have no idea. You, no, it's, you have no idea. How, how does this, you'll fucking set them off like a nuke. You tell a new parent that you kind of know what it's like because you have a dog. 
Next thing that is more incendiary than Zelensky calling for preemptive strikes. Tell an atheist that God created science. Jesus. Oh, who who created God? Oh, God was just always there. Oh, who? Oh, he's just there for infinite forever. That doesn't make any sense. You don't even. You can't even comprehend that in your mind. The theory of infinity. I'm an atheist myself, but I do find atheists unbearable. Next thing, next behavior that is more incendiary than calling for what would inevitably lead to nuclear holocaust. Tell Gary Busey anything. Just tell him anything, and his response will literally blow your mind. It will be, it will be a massacre of words, truly. Next thing, tell a guy who smokes weed every moment of the day that he's an addict. No, you can't, no. Weed's non-addictive. No. I could stop. I just like it. I just want it. I just want to do it. I don't even have to. Next behavior that is more incendiary than Zelensky. Tell your Jewish mother-in-law that Israel was involved in 9-11. And that one is a personal experience. Uh, my my girlfriend's uncle brought that, brought that up in uh, at uh, Thanksgiving. Started talking about uh, how the Jews had their part to play in 9-11. It was actually quite entertaining for me. But, you know, my, uh, you know, my girlfriend's mother is Jewish, so it wasn't, um, you know, it was funny for me. That's what I'll say. It was funny for me. Next behavior that is more incendiary than Vladimir Zelensky calling for nuclear war. Tell a random person on the street that you really enjoyed the new Netflix series about Jeffrey Dahmer and that you were very inspired and are now going to follow them back to their home and brutally sodomize and murder each member of their family after forcibly injecting a paralyzing agent in each of their arms. Next one. Call a conspiracy theorist a sheep. That'll set them off. Sheep is the word they use to, to, you know, to define people who go along with the mainstream narrative. And so if you call them a sheep, their fucking balls will go up into their waist and they'll be ready for a fight. Last one. Tell a guy walking around in public with a Bluetooth headset talking on the phone that you don't actually believe he's talking on the phone. He will, uh, he will fight verbally to the death to ensure that you believe that he's actually talking on the phone and not just wearing a Bluetooth headset. That's it, folks. My fucking computer's about to die. I'm at 7%. And, uh, and uh, you know, I just got to go now. I have to go now. Okay? I have things to do now. And I can no longer stay here and speak into this microphone that is transmitting a signal into my audio interface that is then transmitting that into the computer and being recorded on a track. I can no longer do that. That process can no longer continue for now. But I will be back. And join the Patreon, you little fucking swamp pig. You little, you one of those fucking tropical pigs. Not one of those farm pigs. You're one of those fucking tropical pigs. 
One of those fucking Florida pigs with the horns coming out of its snout. You're a fucking little taxidermied swamp pig. And that's another fucking title we could use. Taxidermied swamp pig. And that's exactly what it will be. I have made my decision. The title of this episode will be Taxidermied Swamp Pig. Because that's what I believe I am. And I believe that you are. And I believe that is the spirit that we share. The spirit of a taxidermied swamp pig. Correct? No? Well, either way, I've got to go. Thank you. Thank you.